Welcome back to another episode of the Huxley Morton podcast, the show where in 2021, I'm bringing you interviews from the world's most ambitious and progressive pharma company owners, industry leaders, um, and just anyone uh, involved with the industry who are you know, open to sharing their personal and professional stories of, of growth. Uh, this week, I'm joined by Naji Getchan, um, currently working for Eli Lilly. Uh, Naji is now the Senior Director of Sales for Lilly Diabetes USA, uh, but previously um, had gr- grown up in Lebanon. Uh, Naji, uh, welcome to the show. Um, be interesting just to just to have a, a quick bit on, on your role before we dive back into the interesting story that you and I have, I guess, discussed off air uh, and start getting into a bit of that. Yeah, great. Thank you so much, James. Um, uh, it's really a pleasure uh, for me to be with you uh, today uh, and share a bit of my story. So I- I'm currently um, leading in the pharma industry, leading sales organizations in, uh, in diabetes in the Northeast uh, US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, as you mentioned, I had different experiences within the pharma industry, um, the startup world and more personally. He- healthcare for me has been a, a long journey uh, driven by my personal purpose that, that brought me there. Sure. Well, look, let's, let's get into that because I, I guess when you and I uh, first spoke it was you know I had reached out to you via LinkedIn I'd seen a few interesting things on your profile and thought look I'd quite quite like to hear a bit more about uh, this guy um so in terms of I I guess rewinding as to how you got into the industry perhaps we go even kind of one stage back before that I mean just tell us about your your general background and, and kind of growing up because it wasn't um, in the in the US um it was kind of back in Beirut and in in Lebanon um just tell us Give us an insight into into that and kind of your own childhood. Sure. Um, My personal purpose, I strive to help uh, patients and people live better in the communities that I serve. And it's really this personal why that drove my life decisions, my career decisions uh, along the way since I was was a young kid. So Mm. as you mentioned, I was born and raised in Lebanon and uh, during that time of tension of uh, war unfortunately in the countries i was i was constantly seeing the humanitarian lebanese red cross teams rescuing people and that is really the time where i i my purpose started to uh, to start and build so um i started med school um and this is kind of the first step for me to uh, to be able to help uh, patients uh, and during just, my just just before that, I guess what sort of age are you talking about when you started to see that the Red Cross in uh, Lebanon and doing the work that they were doing at that time? Yeah, I, I was I was pretty young, so you know I, I was born raised there during the war, so I was seeing this like five years, six years. I constantly saw this, and I saw them helping wow. you know the communities where I was living. Um, yeah, even like some some relatives and family members um, and this is really for me was kind of seeing people for the bigger benefit uh, of mm-hmm. right humanity communities putting themselves at risk to help uh, and rescue others um, so yeah it was a pretty young age yeah uh, when I was seeing this uh-huh so then you you from, from that you decided you kind of um, you like the idea of of med school, healthcare, et cetera, and you applied, was that kind of high school age that you applied to, to med school or? Yeah, yeah, I started med school at, I was 17. So this is, this is like where, where when I started. 
mm-hmm. um, after my baccalaureate, like it's it's kind of a French system uh, yeah. in Lebanon that, that I was in. Um, and, and yeah, I started uh, at 17 for my medical studies. And soon after uh, med school, I decided to join the Lebanese Red Cross as a volunteer. So yeah. uh, I, I joined, I, I joined, I was like 18, 19 years old, mm-hmm. um, the Lebanese Red Cross. And uh, so, so it's, it's specific. I'm just going to say a, a bit of a word of the Lebanese Red Cross. It's not like what I've seen in the US or when I was in France. It's really the first team rescuers. So uh, in Lebanon, they are, um, the, the Red Cross really take in charge all patients outside the healthcare system, outside the hospitals, and we transport them, we help them. Uh, we stabilize their cases until we take them to a, um, a hospital, right? So it's so kind of like kind the of first, first first response, if if you like. So if there's, exactly, uh, yeah. I, I don't know a, a bombing or something, and there's you know victims that need to be picked up and transported. You're the the first people on the scene. Exactly. Okay. Exactly, and and it's the same also. So if it's bombing, if it's a car accident, or if it's someone who fell in their house or a heart attack, so any kind of urgency outside the hospital. Mm-hmm. You would take care of them and, and, and take patients to hospital. It's, it's like EMTs in the U.S. practically. Sure. Um, so and dur- during that time, um, you know, volunteering and being in the med school, uh, I, I, I literally, you know, it was, again, some moment of tensions in the countries. And uh, we, we lived, uh, you know, bombing, unfortunately, attacks and war. But I really remember one specific moment during my journey in the Red Trucks for more than six years uh, with the teams there and, and leading the team there, um, a specific moment that was uh, in June 2007, where we were called to, um, to a scene. Uh, we didn't really know what was going on. They just asked us you know, to equip ourselves uh, with, um, like with protective uh, equipment uh, going, uh, going there. And what, what just quickly, what, what did that consist of protective equipment? I guess at the moment I'm thinking, you know, PPE, but I'm guessing it wasn't necessarily yeah, that. Yeah, what, no. what sort of level of um, what was protective equipment classed as when, when you heard those words? What what did that consist of? Yeah, well, we had we had the protocol, you know, during during bombing and war. So you, you obviously have to put your uh, your cast on. You have to put your equipment, you know, to protect your chest, like the vest, uh, mm-hmm. life vest chest and. Um, so yeah, the, these type of equipments, more equipment, you know, against, uh, unfortunately, if there is, you know, another bomb or if there, if there is like those, uh, those type of violence uh, ongoing. Wow. So yeah, we, yeah, and we, we equipped ourselves, I was leading this team uh, during that day. And we, so we went to the, where we were called for. Uh, and unfortunately, it was a huge, it was a huge bombing in uh, Beirut at that time. Mm. Um, we were the first team uh, on um, on the scene. Uh, there was still no one, like no police, no firefighters, no one. Right. And literally, you had fractions of seconds. I had fractions of seconds to decide what to do with, you know, with myself, with my team. Mm-hmm. Uh, should we go in, rescue people in this dramatic scene? Um, you always have to protect yourself first, right? Like make sure that things are safe. Mm. And all this you need to decide in fraction of seconds. So I, I, I literally looked at the team and, you know, within, uh, within seconds, we decided to go and help patients uh, full-fledged. And, how, how, many, uh, how many were in the team at the time? We, we were four. So the ambulance usually were four people getting in. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that, we were four there. So one has to stay uh, with the ambulance and yeah. also another person uh, if people would come to the ambulance to have uh, for first aid. Uh -huh. um, and then we were two going inside the scene uh, during, during that time. Um, and it was really a defining moment for me. You know, that, that day, um, w this is where I realized that I want to help and lead teams, in fact, that can help uh, patients mm. uh, and amplify, in fact, the impact that you can bring. Yeah. Right? As a physician, it's such a noble uh, job, mm. right? You're helping patients, obviously, live. You're saving lives in a clinic space. Uh, but, but at that time, I felt like I, I want to be able to help more than in my clinic. I want to be able to lead team uh, and make sure that we are Im impacting more and more patients. So this is where, in fact, I decided to move uh, at that point to, uh, to France and do a business school on healthcare management uh, for, for me to be able to amplify some I guess, of my I guess, as you're saying, so rather than being a, a, an individual or a team that are helping individually each time something happens, you wanted to kind of expand on that and get more so into the commercial side of things where, yeah, I guess the reach is just a hell of a lot greater. Um, exactly. Not quite the same on the ground adrenaline, I guess. Um, but yes, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you can help a lot more people. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's different. And many times I'm asked this question, right, about adrenaline on uh, on the scene. And uh, it's, it's definitely different. Uh, but you know, as, as a human beings and people, we adapt, like the stress we live sometimes is, is just relative to the job we have, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't think that it was like the, the job uh, for us people in, uh, in pharma or in any industry is less or more stressful than being in the field. Definitely when I tell the story, it might seem, you know, yeah. crazy. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and it's tough, right? It's tough on some pieces. Uh, but also, we, we have a huge, uh, huge stake, honestly, in the healthcare industry. The decisions we make, the way we mm. lead people, the uh, the integrity, the ethics that we need to have uh, are, are are massive, right? Like we can't go wrong here. So it's mm. uh, yeah, the, the the adrenaline is just different. Uh, I believe you know along which job you have and how you live it, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, look, I, I can relate to that. I guess yeah, having been. Um, sort of heavily involved in, in sport and uh, combat sports in, in terms of boxing in, in the past. The adrenaline that I used to get from that is different to, I, I don't know, you know, closing deals, helping people get jobs, helping people grow their companies on, on the recruitment side of things. It's, it's just um, different, but at least I know that nowadays I'm, I'm not going to be getting in, uh, punched in the face if I, if I mess up. So, um, <laughs> you know, there's silver linings to all of these things, right? Um, okay, so look, so from, from there, you... you do you, you say you moved to France? Yes. And you've done um, sort of further education into the healthcare uh, and medical sector. Um, you then, if I'm correct, did you pick up a job in marketing at that time or was that later? Uh, it's later. So in fact, what, uh, once I moved to, uh, to France and I did the, this uh, specialized master's in healthcare uh, mm. management, this is where I started to uh, see the industry uh, also through a different lens, right? So... Uh, for, for me, my, my, my purpose, again, goes back to how much I can impact and help patients live better. Mm -hmm. uh, so my first thoughts going uh, into this was potentially WHO, maybe International Red Cross, uh, those NGOs who can, who can help and, you know, shape uh, globally uh, somehow yeah. healthcare. 
but then I, st I started to discover the pharma industry and the huge impact that we can uh, we can bring for uh, for patients and Massive. really changing right like it's it's literally changing the uh, treatment algorithm the, the treatment paradigm and you know the evolution that the industry ha had made is just massive right for the, mm. for the population and this is where i started to see this right and i started to say okay well i can really bring um, a, an impact in, in such industries so this is where i uh, i joined you know like from usual things after uh, after school right like internship and then i i joined the pharma and i started in the in the medical teams so um, I was in the clinical research in the beginning as a clinical research physician. Mm -hmm. I had different jobs in, uh, in the medical affairs, clinical research in Europe, so always based out of Paris. But I, I had different responsibilities launching brands in European countries, uh, Australia and Canada at that time. And then, you know, during my journey on how can I always uh, increase the impact that I have, I wanted to move um, also closer, I would say, to customers, closer to our, uh, to HCPs, closer mm -hmm. to the patients. And this is where I decided to move into um, uh, uh, what we call the business role, right? So yeah. uh, being able to lead teams uh, that are in contact with HCPs uh, and uh, marketing teams who are obviously working on on the brands to making them a reality with uh, with the sales teams in front of customers. Yeah. Um, because, and again, I, I love and value and enjoy each part of our organizations, right? It's, uh, I'm a strong believer that each person in each organization brings a huge contribution to the full team, mm -hmm. uh, right? And it's, it depends which part you're on. So I, I live different ones of those where clinical development is definitely uh, when you're in more phase three in an affiliate, you're really working on this last page that the global teams has worked on. Um, but, but then taking this and making it a reality to patients happen uh, with, uh, with the sales organization, with the medical representatives, with great marketing teams, mm -hmm. uh, with access teams, right? And, and the, the beauty of seeing like the teamwork coming together to make this final step to put this brand in hands of patients uh, this is where I, you know, I, I saw myself continue uh, to develop uh, yeah. at that point of time. Sure. So what point was it then that you, you was it at that point that you had moved to the States or uh, had you, were you then moving to the States following that? Yeah, for, following that, so I, I've, um, I, I was in France for 12 years, a little bit more than 12 years. Uh, and, and I had, uh, I would say, within the pharma industry uh, with uh, Lily, 10 years of experience in France in different roles. So either mm -hmm. for the French affiliate or for the European uh, countries at that time yeah. um, in medical and commercial. So, uh, yeah, the, the last job before moving to the US, I, I was heading uh, the, the marketing team. So I was the chief marketing officer for the hub and then. Uh, leading the business unit, um, the biomedicines business unit for uh, Eli Lilly there. Uh, mm. And I moved to the US a year and a half ago uh, for uh, for this job. Sure. And this, this role, the, the latest role is a bit of a, a bit of a change because you've gone from marketing to, to, to sales. Um, now, I guess different industries, you know, the, the two are always very closely aligned. But previously you were covering, I guess, Europe, Middle East and uh, Africa, I believe. Um, whereas now you're focused uh, more so on, on the US market. How has your role changed, um, I guess, in, in general? If you were to talk us through your day-to-day your -day role now uh, compared to what you were doing perhaps as, as a, in, in your marketing 
um, role with your marketing hat on? Yeah, so so I always I always had in fact sales and marketing in my uh, in my in my you know even in France in the organization. Now I'm I'm focused on sales uh, mm -hmm. obviously, but you know I'm gonna take it even a step a step higher uh, as as a leader and leading teams through different geographies and countries. Mm -hmm. uh, coming to the US, you know the US is the biggest market for any company, right? Huge. Uh, and pharma. Huge, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and, and the scale, like if you think about how many people you can help, the impact that you can have is just massive, right? Mm. So this is this is um, th this is one of the motivators for me to uh, to come and be able to increase my impact for the patients we serve. Um, so you know, but if I, if I want to take like one learning, it goes back really to the shared purpose an organization have, and then the values around it. Right, mm -hmm. and I'm saying this because literally throughout the different countries, and me coming to the U.S., uh, we, uh, as a company, we share the same uh, purpose. Yeah, uh, and each company has to strive towards this and sharing the same values. Then, in fact, the job is is pretty the same, right? Like, it, environments are different, systems are different, mm -hmm. players are different. But if you think from an HCP standpoint, like as a physician or the physicians we are serving today, a physician in the US wants the same benefit for their patients than in France and Lebanon and the UK in, mm -hmm. in any country, yeah. right? So the way you interact with them and what you bring to them might be different culturally, but at the end, we're, we should be all striving towards one, one single purpose, one single uh, promise right yeah. is making sure that the patient has the best treatment with the best efficacy and the most manageable side effects right mm -hmm. so when you think about it that way whether you're in marketing you're in uh, you're a medical representative you are a medic you are in safety compliance whatever your job it, it really goes down to how you're going to make sure that the information is getting to customers for them to be able to take the right decisions for the patients with the right uh, safety and uh, benefits for them. Mm. So it's just, yeah, I guess those, those core core values and, and similar beliefs. So I, I think regardless of whether it's in, in pharma and helping patients, that goes, I guess, without saying across any businesses, um, you know, yeah. even for us as, as a recruitment business, you know, I'm always looking to, to find people that have, I, I guess, a sense of urgency that want to, you know, help people into uh, new uh, positions and help clients find the best staff for their their trials um, or just you know positions in, in general. Because as a business owner myself, I know that the strength of any business is, is built on the strength of your people. Uh, but sometimes finding the right people it's a it's a massive headache. And you know, all of my my you know my mates who also run companies, you know, they've often asked me for for help um, with recruitment. And I don't necessarily work in their sector. And I say that you need to find someone who works in your sector. This is how you you can do it. And I kind of coach them through the process from a recruitment standpoint. But that value of just wanting to to be the best in your field and in you know the pharma field, it's it's helping patients is ultimately what you want. So where it's sales marketing admin as long as everyone in the compass has that those same values you're onto a winner yeah yeah and you're well you you recruit all over the world right like leaders so it's yeah it's it's really you know from a leadership standpoint and even from a from from employee like everyone's standpoint right and organizations it goes down to this right like sharing the same purpose the the, the engagement you have and the passion and this is what i 
what I see in the pharma industry. Um, yeah, it goes back literally to this, right? And sometimes we forget about it. So for me, it's, it's so important to remember, right? Like mm. every single day, why we do what we do. And so many times it's tough, right? When you're in operational things, when you're in crisis, like the one we are living today, um, or, or even personally, right? Like you, you, we tend to get very taken with our daily jobs and just to forget the, the huge the huge purpose that we have, right? I was going to say, yeah, that, that, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's the purpose. Like once you work into that, you kind of, you realize that everything else just follows suit. Yeah, exactly. Well, I guess on that on that note, um, I guess that you've you kind of you've grown up during the war, um, but you've taken the positives of it. You know, you've, um, you've then travelled for education. You've travelled to you know follow that purpose that you believe in. Um, you're now in, in the states and, and sort of heading up um, sort of senior uh, or, or sales for a huge organisation. You know, what tips would you kind of give to anyone aspiring to do what what you've done um, to this point, Najee? <laughs> yeah well that, that's a big that's a big ask you know the you know, I, I've, if there's two tips i would say i would i would give uh, the first one i would go to it and it, it might sound easy but it's not that simple in fact to do it if, if you actually really want to do it and introspect yourself mm. is really thinking about your why like really and there, there's a lot of you know books around it there's a lot of trainings around it Mm -hmm. um, but in a very simple word is uh, I, I really believe that each person should think like about why we do what we do what do we want to achieve what is our mm -hmm. biggest purpose right and it's sometimes tough to it's not in a one day that you're gonna okay this is what this is my why uh, but but it's literally making sure that what you're doing every day is helping you achieve what you want to have uh, as an impact in the world right, during your existence, practically, right, which is, again, it, it might sound, it might sound easy, it might sound, yeah, well, I, I don't know, I don't care, and it's true, like, there are some times in your life where you say, okay, I don't know, like, um, it's not, it's not what I want to do, but I, 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 I can relate to that, I don't think I, I knew what I wanted to do until I was probably in my, probably in my early 30s, I, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, uh, early in life, it was, you know, it was be a sports sports person you know and yeah there's only so many years that you can do that for I then fell into recruitment um wasn't necessarily planned but I found out that I was I was just quite good at it because I liked the the sensation of, of actually helping people and not necessarily chasing the monetary aspect of it made me better because I was just that therefore I put that to one side and just focused on on the matching I then just be almost it, it became a, to a point where I became so good at it that I couldn't necessarily ignore it. And then I thought, actually, this is kind of like a sport. I enjoy performing well at it, but I, I then chose markets where it's even more rewarding. So, you know, pharmaceuticals, um, it's putting people into research jobs to, to help patients. Uh, and then the other side of our business is um, engineering in developing countries. You know, it's building infrastructure, you know, out in Pakistan in Afghanistan and, and places like this so it's it's all just very much rewarding and that success kind of breeds success and you know that's why I, I love what I do now it's it's great fun it's yeah. not just recruitment you know we're not a, a high street branch which sometimes I think my mates think that we are that you walk in and we're a job center and we match you up to jobs it's you know we're we're helping people to get careers that are going to be life-changing for them yeah yeah, and it's like, like, look how you're describing it. You're literally 
change some parts of the words in engineering and in pharma, thanks to your you know, great recruitments and having leaders matched in companies, right? Like, mm. and this is in fact, like the, the, the purpose you should look for, right? Like what, what do you want to achieve? What do you want to do in this world? Uh, and it takes time and it's not necessary to find it at 20 years old or 30 or 40 or 50, right? Oh, I, but at I had, some I had point no, I had you no need to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but for me, it's otherwise it's going to remain like I have a job uh, just to earn money and mm. then I have a life and I'm struggling to match both. I just feel like if you literally really know your purpose, then it becomes practically a lifestyle, right? Like I, I, I'm, I'm achieving my purpose through my job, yeah. right? And it's, it's the company I'm in. It's at some point, like I co-founded a startup also in this, um, in this journey to help patients live better in the Middle mm. East. Uh, you know, it's, and then everything kind of come together. So this is for me like the biggest uh, tip and advice uh, that I would give. And the other one uh, is, again, a tough one, I think, in organizations, but I'm more and more convinced we, uh, we need to uh, keep, you know, keep an eye on, but most importantly, uh, keep it close as being yourself. It's, it's so hard, uh, and I, especially with, you know, with uh, talents joining companies, with uh, early career professionals, uh, but even with with execs, right, and with leaders, is mm. making sure that you're yourself at work. You're the same person, bringing your diversity, embracing the diversity of others, uh, ma- making sure that you know you're not trying to go into a mold, but just you know bringing all that you know and and, and yourself to work to make again like your workplace better, the world better. Mm. Um, so for me, this is this is another key point, and many times I'm. You know, uh, during recruitments, I'm asked these questions, right? Like we recruit diverse people, but then we make, you know, many organizations will, each organization has its culture. So where does this stop, right? Yeah. It definitely should not go to the point where you need to change to adapt, right? Like being yourself is so important in, uh, in your life. Otherwise, again, like your why, there would be a mismatch and it's not I think what it's what would be healthy for organizations and you know what we we have similar conversations with hiring managers you know sometimes there's almost too much focus we feel on the resume or the cv um because people are hiring for the skills that someone has proved to have previously you know you should hire the individual for the individual you know their personality their drive their purpose because all the rest of the skills you can kind of teach you know fair enough if you're looking at a managerial level and you want some experience there but even that you know if you get the right person kind of the skills should all be brought on and if they're following your purpose as a business um you're not going to go too far wrong Uh, and more to the more to the point you'll enjoy working with them that's one of the biggest things at work you know we spend so much time with our work colleagues that you know i would hire um, you know, even in my own business, someone I like who I need to train and, and sort of give all the skills to over someone who is amazing at the job, but I just, I couldn't get on with socially and in, in, in an office yeah. environment because it's just, why why do that to yourself? You know, you want to be working with people that you you like, you trust, and, and you, you, you then become, I guess, a more formidable team. Yeah, yeah, agree, agree. And look, I guess um, look, on, on that side of things, for us as a business, you know, we're, we're quite used to working remote. Um, the engineering side of the business has taken a, a huge dip last year because 
our, our expats could not fly <laughs> pretty yeah. simple um whereas the pharmaceutical side of the business uh, it was good because there's a lot more remote work um but how has i guess kind of things gone for yourself in terms on on the work front um you know paint a picture of, of perhaps how things are going and maybe some of the challenge that you have faced whether it's been staffing processes furlough working from home um with colleagues and and on an individual basis yeah, well, well, definitely. I think like all all the industry and many other industries, we um, it, it's been it's been challenging time, you know, for the teams uh, to adapt to totally new uh, new ways of working, right? And as you said, it's uh, definitely my my you know my thoughts go mainly to those who work daily in the pharma industry to make sure that we can manufacture those drugs, right? Like mm -hmm. that that we can distribute those drugs uh, to patients. Um, you know, they, they never stop. They had to go to the offices. So we're, we're thinking about the commercial teams for sure. But as you said, commercial teams, we managed to work from home. We managed to interact with our customers virtually uh, across the industry during that time. Uh, and I'm not saying it was easy, right? It's, uh, it was tough, not for us. It was tough for, for HCPs, right? It, mm -hmm. For the front uh, frontliners who were making sure they're they're helping patients every day they're managing the pandemic they're managing um, how, how to help and and fight this virus so uh, it's mixing all this right that i see ourselves more as an industry in a humble position to make sure that we are just we're just here to to, to bring whatever value and need they have at that time this is how how i saw ourselves and for us yeah. internally in the industry it's making sure that we still stand to our promise and our medicines get to patients that needs them, uh, which is not, uh, you know, it's not as obvious as we, uh, we might believe uh, with all the distribution challenges, the lockdowns across the borders, et cetera. It's not that easy to, uh, to make it happen. And definitely the biggest, I would say, purpose uh, was what, what we saw, right, as an industry getting together, working together with uh, mm. with authorities, with science, with scientists to, to, to make sure that we stand uh, literally to what our beliefs are and what our purpose is uh, and trying to find medications, vaccines um, to, 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 fight, to fight this virus, right? So, uh, so yeah, definitely there was challenges, but I, I think the challenges uh, we faced more overall as an industry were, were, uh, were higher. Uh, and then for us and um, more the customer facing teams, right? Like where, mm. where we meet, we, we adapted on how we should uh, meet with them and adapted the ways uh, we interact virtually. Uh, honestly, my, like my personal belief on this, uh, it, it was pandemic is terrible, right? Like so many patients are, so many people are losing their lives and still suffering from, uh, from this uh, mm. pandemic and we're not done yet. Um, but from a business standpoint, it, it accelerated many businesses' uh, ways of doing the business, right? So huge, I think huge, this, the all this the digital, innovation has been massive, yeah, hasn't the it? The digital transformation in all the industries, right? Like accelerated in, in three months, it looked, I think in the US, they were, they were saying like e-commerce and the transformation on, on some of the digital pieces, like three months were like 10 years of time. So I, I would, yeah, I would definitely, I mean, even just looking at my own business, you know, the things that we've taken on in the past, yeah, six to nine months, I probably would not have looked at for years because it's just one of those things you run in a business, you know, things are going well. Why, why would you? 
Um, and you often fall into that mentality of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Um, but then at the back of my mind, I'm always sitting there thinking, yeah, but if it could be better, it's as good as broken. So now when I look back, I'm like, I'm so glad that we've we've taken you know that that leap of faith and invested in all the technologies that we have because now life's a, a lot easier on that side of things and yes the pandemic has been yeah such a terrible situation but if there is any sort of um, good thing to come out of it, it has been that advancement of yeah the world of pharma technology and and for all of us in terms of sort of working in general yeah exactly and exactly so it's uh, looking forward it's really uh, making sure we you know, we keep what's best uh, that we learned uh, during those times and, uh, yeah, and continue to, um, to be focused. Like one, one of the big things I think we, uh, unfortunately, this pandemic, um, but fortunately at the same time, make us realize as being humans again. Mm. Uh, like literally many of us would just be spitting everything and now it's just so normal if now you would hear my daughter screaming like you wouldn't it wouldn't be yeah, such kids, a shame kids right on so. zoom calls, <laughs> dogs on zoom calls the amazon man turning up with a delivery it's you know it, yeah. kind of, it all happens but but but, but you, know. you know it's it's just in fact it made us realize that we we were putting fake boundaries right and as a leader i have to show up just as a leader not mm. showing any vulnerability, not like, and that's it, like always buzzer. And you know what? Like, it's not like this. Uh, I, I never believed it was, but I feel like with, unfortunately, those tough times, we ended up to become humans again, right? Mm. So I, I hope we will keep this, you know, humanity, making sure that we, we embrace it. We continue on caring and generally caring for one another, spreading love to one another in organizations and, uh, and yeah, moving forward with with always this uh, in mind. Sure. Well, look, I, I guess um, I guess that covers you know what you think is perhaps in in well in store for the world of clinical research trials and, and pharma over the next year. Um, look, is there any other thoughts that you perhaps like to share on the vaccine? You know, here in the UK, we are racking through uh, a lot of vaccinations. I think certainly my dad has now been vaccinated. He's very pleased about that. Um, a lot of you know the over 70s have as uh, i think pretty much all of them have now have certainly had their first dosage um you know what are your thoughts um you know in terms of the vaccines and, and what's in store for the year ahead um and also once things do return to normal you know what is it that you get up to outside of work you know talking about being human what what are you most looking forward to getting back to and, and doing once you're not kind of in work mode merged with home life and, and, and everything else and you can get out and about again yeah uh, look i think all, all that all that is ongoing is um, gives a lot of hope right vaccines uh, medications to uh, to fight covid um, all the advancement that the physicians the pharma industry authorities have made for us to be able to to manage better the situations, it, it just gives so much hope, right? So I think whatever whatever we have, I keep it in the hands of, of those who are experts and the physicians treating and fighting this, uh, and all of us to, to keep this responsibility high, right? It's, mm -hmm. um, it, we, we have a huge responsibility that sometimes I look at it and say, it's quite easy, in fact, just, you know, covering yourself with a mask and, and staying socially distant, even if it's hard, right, from the mental health, standpoint uh, mm -hmm. that has created you know all this these lockdowns and no social interactions but but at the end it's a big responsibility that we have and all the therapeutics that are coming in uh, 
and obviously the vaccines give again hope, right, for us to move forward. Um, and, you know, on, on this, uh, your question, like what I'm most looking forward to, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to some uh, reflection that I had. I was asked so much the question in the very beginning of the pandemic on uh, the war that I lived versus the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Right. And many people would tell me, like, oh, it should be so easier, like you're safe at home. You know, you're not going to die if you just like do those basic wash your hands, watch your distance. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And wear a face mask uh, compared to war. And so it made me really reflect uh, what like if I have to say what was easier. Uh, and my reflection, in fact, took me back to what you lived in war. Right. It, which is terrible. Uh, what is even more terrifying is that it's human-made, right? Like you can decide to stop it or to start it. Yeah. So that's definitely kind of the frustration behind this very virus. You just like can't do anything about it mm. uh, immediately. But really the, the bottom point uh, of my reflection went to what I'm calling a human war. It, definitely war was tough, but we were together. Families were together, neighbors together. And it, mm-hmm. when it was the most tough, people were literally together physically hugging each other, crying with each other, smiling with each other, enjoying times with each other, even in tough times. Mm. And this we don't have in the pandemic, right? So I think what literally I'm missing and obviously the word is missing is this human warmth. It's just getting back and hugging each other, shaking our hands, right? Seeing each other. So it's definitely easier on many, on many ends, but I think the toll that it has unconsciously on us as social, uh, you know, social. Definitely. I have to to agree. I think if someone said that they were opening a new grocery store down the road for me at the moment, and there was going to be a grand opening, I I would go to it just because I knew that there was going to (laughs) be other people there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so this is the most thing I'm looking. I think technology helped us so much, you know, interacting. I would have never potentially had this interview with you if, you know, if it was the old word, I had to be in the UK, etc. Mm. It helped us connect, meet new people, but it doesn't take out this, literally, the, what I call this human warmth, right? Like just being together, feeding the energy of, uh, of, of human beings around. It's, it's definitely something that I'm missing, that I'm looking forward to get back to. Definitely. I think we can all agree on that. I think that's a great way to kind of wrap up the show and, and just say that, yes, it will be fantastic when we can all get together again, um, Najee. But look, for now, it's been an absolute pleasure um, having you on the show and, and hearing your story from you know one country and uh, to another in, in France and then over to the States uh, in your pursuit of, of your purpose. Um, look, thanks again uh, for, for coming on the, on the Huxley Mortar podcast. Um, Look, if anyone wants to reach out to you, I'm assuming perhaps the best place is, is LinkedIn if, if they want to reach on a professional level uh, or if they want to hear more on, on uh, I guess, your personal story, right? Yes, LinkedIn is the best place for sure. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, James. Thanks very much. Speak soon. We'll keep in touch.